Serious Assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donnelly as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to prove that sometimes the best way to get a pal out of a trap is to get chased into it yourself. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, one of our agents is in trouble, Rick Perez. Oh, what happened to him? Because of his Spanish ancestry and his knowledge of Latin America, he seemed the logical choice, the man to investigate those reports we've been getting on the Caribbean Legion. Caribbean Legion? Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. They're training and arming men to lead revolts in the countries of Central and South America. Yes. Rick managed to work his way into the organization, has kept in touch with us through a contact he established in Caracas, Venezuela. He kept in touch, that is, until a week ago. Then silence. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean he's in a jam, Commissioner. Last night, Perez's contact, a man named Emilio Rojas, received a message supposedly from Perez saying that he was hiding out in a village called Puerto Montego, that he needed help. So the Legion got wise and Perez is holed up, huh? All being held a prisoner. Prisoner? You mean the message could be a trap? Right. Suppose they only suspect Perez is an American agent. Yeah, so we answer his call for help, send someone down to Puerto Montego, and the minute... That someone walks into town, they know for sure. End of Rick Perez. Exactly. You've got to get into Puerto Montego without arousing any suspicion to who you are or why you're there. Find Rick Perez and get him safely away. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Magnificent musical entertainment is yours for the listening every Monday evening on the NBC radio network. Listen on most NBC stations to these great programs. The Railroad Hour with singing star Gordon McRae and charming guest artists from Musicdom's Hall of Fame. The Voice of Firestone, featuring Howard Barlow and the Firestone Orchestra and Chorus in the melodies you enjoy hearing. The Telephone Hour, with the music of Donald Voorhees and the Bell Symphonic Orchestra. And the Dinah Shore Show, NBC's new Monday night program special starring America's favorite songbird, Miss Dinah Shore. Yes, every Monday night, listen to the best musical entertainment on this NBC station. Sure, I've got my assignment. Fly down to Venezuela and get to one of our agents, Rick Perez, who's in a jam. And we hope on the trail of a subversive outfit known as the Caribbean Legion. It's late Friday afternoon when my plane lands in Caracas, and I head straight for a rendezvous with our contact there, a gent named Emilio Rojas. A dozen or more tourists armed with travel folders, guidebooks, and cameras come strolling out of the cathedral. As I hurry up the steps, I move through a huge arched entryway and then inside. Senor. Hmm. Oh, hello. Looks like I'm a little late for the guided tour, huh? Yes. Yeah. Appetit. Still, 
Okay, no race tomorrow? No. Unfortunately, I won't be in town. I have business in Puerto Montego. A charming village. I know it well. Uh, you have friends there? A business associate. This way, Senor Mitchell. Into this corridor. We can talk there. Sure you weren't followed, Rojas? Positive. I don't suppose you've had any word from Perez. No word at all, Senor. Yes, this will do. I leave the door open slightly so that we may watch the entryway. You happen to have that note Perez sent you? No, I burned the message immediately. I received it. You uh, are wondering about the handwriting, huh? I cannot say. Perez and I never exchanged the written messages. Tell me, Rojas, do you have any idea why he went up to Puerto Montego? Well, ten days ago, after he had attended a meeting of the Caribbean Legion, he told me there was talk of uh, supplies and a boatload of new men arriving from Guatemala. And that ship might have put in at Puerto Montego, huh? Yes, Perez might have been sent to meet it. Someone aboard might have recognized him or suspected he was with your government. And now he's a prisoner or hiding out. A prisoner, senor. Not one for long, I'm afraid. They would kill him in a moment if there were the slightest reason to suspect him. I don't know, Rojas. If they figured he was valuable to their organization, they might hesitate to do away with him. They'd want to know for certain. It would affect their future plans. Yes, I see your point. How far is Puerto Montego from here? About 20 miles down the coast. Population under 200. Not good. A stranger in town would stick out like a sore thumb. Perez uh, spent most of his time here in Caracas, didn't he? Yes, most of the time. Where'd he hang out? Any place in particular? A uh, nightclub, a gambling house called the Maracaibo. He's owned by a French woman, a Menzel uh, Simonette. Sort of headquarters for the Legion, is it? For the Legion and the various enterprises, senor. I see. Well, that's very interesting, Rojas. You know, it sort of fits in with a little idea I've had in the back of my mind. If I could pick up the right information and certain props to work with, yeah, it might work out just fine. Half hour later, I'm at police headquarters sitting in the office of Colonel Valara. I give him a fast fill-in on what I'm up to and what I'll need, and he listens to what I have to say, and then leans back in his chair and takes a long pull on his cigar. He makes with a series of smoke rings towards the ceiling. Jim Dandy's all of them. Then he leans forward. This is highly irregular, Senor Mitchell. You understand that. However, if you insist... I'd like your department's cooperation, Colonel Valera. Very well. I will see to it that you get what you ask. And don't forget the souped-up jalopy. Souped out the car. I'm going to be in a race, and I don't want to lose. Oh, yes, of course. You look a little puzzled, Colonel. I am, senor. I still fail to see how all this is going to... Look, uh, the chances of my slipping into Puerto Montego unnoticed are pretty slim. The heavies see me snooping around, they add two and two, and they knock off Perez. Yes, go on. So instead of my sneaking into town, I'm going to try to arrange for them to chase me into Puerto Montego. But I've got to sell them a bill of goods first. One, that I'm not an American agent. And two, that my arrival in town has nothing to do with Perez. Oh, I see, I see. And that, then, is the purpose of your visit to the Maracaibo Club. Right. Now, I need an entree to the club, a name I can toss around. Someone known to them, and preferably someone out of circulation, eh? Uh, Rojas suggested a gent named Brobel. Oh, excellent. A well-known criminal in the Caribbean area, now serving ten years in prison. A frequent visitor at the club when he was in town, and when he wasn't in Caracas, he'd be in Cuba or Haiti, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, or Trinidad. 
I could have met him in any of those places. I would suggest Trinidad. He spent a good deal of time there. You happen to have a file on Brovo? Oh, yes. A rather complete history of the man. Good. I want to know all there is to know about friend Brovo. They're bound to ask questions at the club, and I want to be sure to have the right answers. An hour later, I check in at the hotel, and shortly after 8 that night, I wander over to the Maracaibo Club. I peel a few bills from a very fat bankroll, spread them around where they'll do the most good. Also drop Bobo's name a couple of times, and pretty soon, I'm admitted to the plush gambling layout upstairs. My luck is all bad, and I drop a nice chunk of dough, and meanwhile, I keep my eyes open for the lady known as Mademoiselle Simonette. Finally, she puts in an appearance. I voted in a black, low-cut evening gown. She tosses a quick glance around the room, and then moves from one game to another. Finally... She winds up standing next to me at the roulette table. I step back to make room. No, please, monsieur, do continue. I'm only a spectator. I wish that's all I was. Bad luck? Never been worse. Well, perhaps the dice table. You recommend it? Why not? Okay, but I could use a drink first. On the house, I insist. Oh, thanks, mademoiselle. You uh, have been here before, monsieur. <laughs> Mitchell. No, this is my first time. An old friend recommended the place. Bravo? Yeah. I heard you mention his name earlier at the bar. How is he? Unhappy. The penal colony doesn't agree with him. Oh. Unfortunate, wasn't it? Yeah. Had a nice little deal going on at the time, too. His wife. How did she take it? Sleeper? Oh, not grieving very much. He left her a comfortable income. That fall out of Cuba last year netted him a nice chunk of dough. I see. Does she see her on the dress show? Yeah, I dropped in to see her just before I left Trinidad. Well, you might give her my warmest regards on your return. I'm not going back. Oh? That is, if I can make other arrangements. What sort of arrangements? I'd like to get to the States if I could. Why should that be difficult for you? Oh, they're sort of fussy up there about passports and things like that. You're not an American? Canadian. Oh. Hey, bar seems to be a little crowded. Uh, a table over here, Monsieur Mitchell. I will send you a waiter. Thanks. Why not join me? Why not? I dropped the matter of the passport for the present because I don't want to rush things and... That seems to be all right with Mademoiselle because she finally steers the conversation around the bulbo again. She's playing it cautiously, checking on me, and I fill in with the right answers. Finally, I draw an invitation to continue our little chat in the privacy of her office. She excuses herself to greet some of her guests, and I wander on back alone to the inner sanctum. So far, everything's working out fine. Yeah, until I open the office door. The little gent comfortably settled in a chair. He bounces out of it, and the second he sees me, a gun suddenly appears in his neck. Well, 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 if it ain't Mr. Mitchell. Hello, Deacon. Fancy you starting in here. Well, we all have our bad days. Come on in, Mr. Mitchell. Come on in. Well, 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 well. Thanks, it's cozy now. What brings you here, if I might ask? I was about to conduct a little transaction, but you've sort of complicated things. Oh, that's a shame. That's a real shame. That's what it is. I thought the Australian police would have you under lock and key by this time. Not me, Governor. Not Albert Deacon. You tried hard enough. Well, we got the boys we were after and left a small fry like you to the local law. A small fry no longer, Mr. Mitchell. Um, sit down. Make yourself comfortable and don't try any funny moves that this little pop gun goes off, see? I get the picture, Deacon. This little transaction you mentioned. This was a mademoiselle, I imagine. Oh, good. We'll just wait here until she comes along. I dare say she'll be mighty interested to know she's entertaining a United States government agent. (laughs) 
Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Today, more than ever before, the great scientific minds of our country are hard at work solving the mysteries of cancer. In over 100 research centers located in all parts of the country, there is being carried on the greatest research program against a single disease ever known to man. Someday soon, the scientists hope to have the answers. But to continue and expand the tremendous research program, money is needed. That money must come from you. Cancer is a major enemy of the American people, and last year alone, it claimed some 215,000 victims. And although more and more lives are being saved from this dread disease each year, the toll is still far too high. We can all strike back against cancer by joining the Cancer Crusade. Support the American Cancer Society and its three programs of research, education, and service to the cancer patient. Join the 1953 Cancer Crusade. Mail your generous contribution to cancer, care of your local post office. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Well, at this point, it looks like I'm cooked. Just when I'm starting to do okay with Mademoiselle Seaman, then I wander into her office and find myself face-to-face with a seamy little character named Deacon, whom I'd tangled with several years ago in Australia. Needless to say, he recognizes me and pulls a gun. Martha, It's Seamanette. She's coming in. Deacon moves to open the door with a big grin and takes his eyes off me a second. That's when I make my move. I grab his wrist and twist. Let the gun. Okay. It's in my pocket and pointed at you. One peep and you're dead. Oh, I know, Deacon. Small world, Seamanette. Imagine my running into an old buddy like this. You and Deacon know each other, Steve. Sure. We were together in Australia. We're old buddies, isn't that right, Deacon? Yes, that's right. Good. Oh, uh, this is Marco, Steve. He works for me. Marco? Yes, sir? Uh, those papers I wanted you to take, Marco, uh, over there on my bed. Yes. Here, those other ones. Very well. I will see you later. Pass inspection, Seamanette. Inspection? What do you mean? Martha, he's your muscle man, isn't he? Uh, yes, but I just wanted him to pick up some paper. And give me a looking over. You don't need that test. Do you, Steve? I can't afford to. Well, uh, I'd better be getting around. Oh, no, no, Deacon, stick around. I've hardly had a chance to say hello. I wouldn't think of letting you shove off for soon. Well, I... What's the matter, Deacon? Is something on your mind? Uh, no. Steve, you mentioned earlier something about needing a passport. Yeah. Look, I don't have time to beat around the bush, Seamanette. I need it, and I need it bad. I've got the dough to pay for it, and I think the fact that I'm a friend of Bravo and also of Deacon here should entitle me to some consideration. Right. It would cost a thousand dollars. That's pretty steep, but okay. I'm in no position to bargain. A grand it is. All right. We have a small cobbler shop not far from here where such matters are arranged. Mark, I can take you over there. Oh, wait a minute. I've got a better idea. Does Deacon know where the place is? Well, yes. Well, why don't you take me, Deacon? We can talk over old times on the way. Okay, Simona? Of course. Great. I hustle Deacon out of there before he can tip my mitt. I make him take me to the cobbler shop. And in the back room, they take a picture, and half an hour later, hand me a passport. I peel off the dough and pay them. Then I take Deacon to the house of my contact, Rojas, who salts him away in his Quite safe down there, Senor Mister. Good, Rojas. I could have Colonel Valara put him under arrest, but 
One of Simonette's boys might possibly find out about it. Yes, that would not be too good. Senor Mitchell, I still do not understand what you're planning. Right now, my plan is to go to my hotel room and wait. For what? For a marker. And maybe another Simonette's boys to show up. I figure they should be there within two hours. But what makes you so sure they will come to your room? That money Colonel Valera furnished me. The bill I used to pay for my phony passport. What about it? It's counterfeit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think those boys are going to be real mad when they find that their own phony bill was shoved back on them. <laughs> I go back to my hotel room and wait for my souped-up cars parked out back in the alley. Half an hour later, I spot Marker and another muscle man pulling up in front of the hotel. I pick up my suitcase and go out into the hall like I'm leaving. They spot me from the bottom of the stairs. There he is! They start up the stairs at me. I heave my suitcase at them. They go down on the hill. I run back into my room. Down the fire escape into my car. The chase is on. So far, it's working out just right. I drive fast enough to keep out of range, but not fast enough to lose them. An hour later, I'm in Puerto Montego, the village where we think Perez is hiding. It's all a two blocks long. I gun through the town and pitch my car at the far end behind one of the buildings. I circle back on foot and hide. Pretty soon, Mark and his buddy roar into sight and stop at a house on the outskirts of town. They run inside and come out again with two other guys. They all pile into the car and take off through the village, supposedly after me. located one of their headquarters. I ease up to the house. I can hear a voice from inside. Maybe there's two of us. Better look around the village in case this Mitchell doubles back. It's Perez talking, and it's also my cue. I just opened the door. I've got him, Steve. Oh, you sure have, Perez. Nothing like a beer bottle to lull a guy to sleep. When Marker pulled in here a couple of minutes ago and said he was taking a deadbeat named Mitchell, I remembered we once pulled a trick like this in uh, Casablanca, wasn't it? Yeah, I hope you'd remember and when I heard you talking to your buddy here about the two, I knew the odds were in our favor if he was the only other one here. They've been holding you prisoner, Rick? Uh, not exactly, Steve. But they were watching me pretty closely, and I had a hunch they were suspicious of me and taken out. Then you didn't send that note to us, by the way, Aroha, saying that you were in trouble here and needed help. No. And Simonette and her boys must have sent it. It was a trap. <laughs> but it didn't quite work the way they figured it. Oh, look, we've got to move fast. When they come back here and find you flown the coop, they'll realize that they were right about you. What have you found out so far about him? Simonette is the local ringleader of the Caribbean Agency. They train and outfit small groups of men which they send into several South American countries to try to organize revolutions. Simonette has a list of the three men's cells which have been sent to each country. I know that. I saw it in her office at the Club Maracaibo. Then come on. We've got to get back to Simonette fast and grab that list. <laughs> See the club Maracaibo from this alley, Steve. Yeah. Come on, we better... Hey, wait a minute. There goes Marka in the front door. He didn't lose any time. We're licked. He'll alert Simonette and she'll destroy the list. I don't think so, Steve. I think they'll try and warn those three-man cells in each country first. Oh. Well, they've got a radio transmitter hidden somewhere, but I wasn't able to find out where. Maybe it's right there inside the club Maracaibo. Well, I don't think so. I spent a lot of time inside that dive. I think I would have spotted it. Hey, look. Marka coming out the front door again. Briefcase. Maybe he's on his way to the transmitter. And maybe not. You tell him I'll stick around here just in case they're trying to pull a hidden ball play on us. 
Blake takes off after Martha, and I ease around to the back of the joint and wait in the shadows. Sure enough, a minute later, Simonette comes out the back door carrying an envelope. She crosses to the alley and disappears into a warehouse. I follow her. Inside, I spot her starting up a flight of stairs. I catch up to her car. I'll take that list. Let go of me. Let go. All is the truth. Well, hello, Martha. I guess you just took a little trip around the block, huh? That's a good guess. I'll hand over that list. She keeps coming at me up the stairs. Suddenly, I grab the rail and kick at his wrist. The gun goes flying. I lunge at We roll down to the floor. His head smacks with a cement. I whirl around. But Simonette's already got the gun and it's pointed right at my belt buckle. Yeah, sure am, Perez. I wouldn't have been if you hadn't shot that gun out of her hand when you did. Oh, no, Simonette, you're not leaving. Let go! With that list we've got, the only place you and your outfit are going is out of business for keeps. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Variety is the spice of life, they say, and variety is what we at NBC attempt to give you each Thursday evening. Each Thursday on most NBC stations, you'll hear such entertaining programs as The Roy Rogers Show, Father Knows Best, Truth or Consequences, The Judy Canova Show, and Eddie Cantor's Show Business Show. Roy Rogers brings Western song and adventure from the Double R Bar Ranch in Paradise Valley. Later, it's time for Father Knows Best with Robert Young in the title role. Perhaps you'll agree that the thing about which Father Knows Best is trouble. But trouble or not, there's always fun till listening when it's time for Robert Young to star on this station. Ralph Edwards brings you Truth or Consequences, and the action really begins when a contestant misses a question and has to pay the consequences. Judy Canova adds to the North Merriment with hilarious comedy and some songs in her own delightful style. And then, Eddie Cantor brings you his show business show, during which he reminisces about his years in the entertainment world. So every Thursday, listen to all these fine shows on most NBC stations. <laughs> Paris. I bodyguard a quiz kid. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. <laughs> Featured in tonight's cast were Paul Freeze, Paul DeBoss, Betty Lou Gerson, Ben Wright, and Don Diamond. This is John Storm speaking. <laughs> Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Rife and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Ladies, listen to Dinah Shore on NBC.